the time to open your mind in our search for the unknown who knows what we will find this is emergency exit this is a very special episode of the program our very own nick the passion writer sat down with los angeles based vocalist keyboardist songwriter and personal friend milk on january 18th milk released a single called quiet Quiet is a rise against Milk's own history of physical and sexual abuse alongside pressures to fulfill commodified standards of beauty. Nick conducted a beautiful interview. There are a lot of laughs and crazy questions you'll only get on this show. So let's sit back and enjoy this special emergency exit exclusive with Milk. All right, I am here with. Can I say Connie Lim, or would you prefer Milk? Um, Milk. Yeah, we're going with. We're milk going now. with Milk. Okay, sorry to let the cat out of the bag on your secret identity. Yeah, how could you? <laughs> uh, so you have had an interesting month. Yes. Past month, uh, Saturday, January twenty-first was was the march now that was when i guess this all kind of picked up as far as we know but you have been working on it for for a while before that yes i would say i've been uh, working on it for i've been well since uh 2005 really oh no no sorry sorry 2009 okay um and that's when i met you actually was it that's nine started, was, was it nine or eight 2008 i think eight Somewhere in there. Okay, so 2008. Yeah, so it's been, it's been nine years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and but I, I was gonna say, but I'm, I'm not gonna count the first two years because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's I feel part... like that was music school. That was music school. You would like send me emails with, like educational, like here you need to learn about. Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, I would. The, what were they? Yeah. The, the continuing musical education emails. Uh, that's uh, right. Connie, yeah, yeah. That's yes. when you t like talking about Derek Trucks and and the good stuff. That's right. Gonna yeah. Learn you some good music. Uh, so, yeah. uh, not to just make you completely repeat everything because you've you've done plenty of interviews. You've uh, I I listened to one just recently on the What Matters Most. With uh, Paul oh, yeah. Dolman, is that how? Yeah. Uh, and I felt um, that yeah. was actually so good an interview. He kind of took away a lot of the shit I wanted to ask you about. So. Damn it, Paul. Damn it, Paul. But I would say, uh, and I've also talked about you a few times on our show anyway. So I feel most people, or most of our audience anyway, are kind of aware of of the march and and the video that kind of went viral. So we don't need to necessarily rehash all that. Uh, but for some that don't know, we can we can do a slight catch up, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, do that. So you wrote the song a year earlier. Yeah. And now I wanted to ask, when you wrote the song, you weren't obviously thinking about the march or any of the things that it now embodies or it becomes. Like you wrote it very personally, and it was what did you intend it? I guess to be something uh, other other people or other women could listen to and like, find strength from or was it like just uh i i need to express this um yeah yeah that's an awesome question um i i wrote it at the end of 2015 and like i went back and try to figure out exactly when i wrote it and uh 
yeah, when I wrote it, I needed to express my own lump in my throat. Like I needed to get it out because that song was trying to come out of me for a long, long time. I think even for a couple of years, but not that exact song. Like I had different formations of the same attempt at the idea, like Don't Tell Me Not to Cry or um, Don't Underestimate Me, those types of ideas or stuff like that. Um, but <clears throat> it didn't quite work for a couple years, so I just kept trying. And then I ended up writing that one and feeling like I want to have this song be a song that has value for society. Like any song I write, I try to consider others uh, while also being super true to myself. So I think there's this artist that I've toured with um, named Jen Bostic, and she's a super hardworking artist out of Nashville. And the first time I toured with her in 2011, we booked our own tour, like 15 shows in 14 days from Nashville wow. to New York. And yeah, it was really fun and super just DIY. And I would listen to her songs and I felt really inspired because they felt like greeting cards. Like they had a very clear emotion and message. And I could see how a fan would be compelled to send that song to another person. Okay. There's value in it. And because if a song, I feel like if a song, it allows someone to speak through that song, things that they can't speak, um, then that's a really valuable thing. And I, that's what drives me, I think, is to be that vessel for people. So, yeah, anytime I write to answer your question, um, I try to make it so that it's for someone else to express. But, I mean, I had no idea that the march was going to happen, that Donald Trump would win, like all right. these different things. It's just my journey, yeah. So you had it and you wrote it or you recorded it. Um, then when you caught wind of the march, you got a hold of uh, the ladies that were going to be there, the other choir groups. Um, you arranged all the parts. So then <clears throat> when you were planning this out, did it change how you felt about the song or what you, or not how you felt about it, I guess, sorry, your, your plan for the song necessarily? Or did you just see Atlas as like, uh, a better way to realize your plan for the song as in uh, something women can relate to, something people can relate to and use to express themselves, which was kind of your intent in the first place. So was, was it more like, oh, the march, I can get my message to women faster or easier. Obviously, I don't think yeah. you intended uh, someone will film it and it'll be this big deal and all of a sudden I'm going to be everywhere <laughs> and this will be great. You know, I don't... <laughs> Yeah, I, so I wanted to just, um, I really admire artists that do more than just write a song and sing it. Um, that's amazing on its own. I just think for me personally, as what I want to do is be living, living what I do and setting that example and showing that I'm putting everything into this because it's part of the statement. It's part of like sure, sure. being yeah, and um, I thought that, you know, for my very small following at that time, how great would it be to show them that I'm bringing a song to the march to share with women and gift it to them? And I could, I had a couple friends filming on their cell phones, which those videos didn't go viral at all. We, <laughs> and I ended up not even sharing those because the video that went viral just kind of took over. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll have a couple friends film it, and then, you know, we could make a cool music video, um, but it's live, and it's of these flash mobs, and it could just be my way of saying that I can't keep quiet, and I want to stand up for better etiquette towards women in the media, and just towards people in general, like immigrants and minorities, and... Yeah, so um, your way to... I guess literally walk the walk. Or yeah. To not make yeah. it too corny, but I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that gives yeah. a lot more credence to your message as well. If people actually see you doing it instead of just putting out a song, I mean, you could 
for all they know, you could just be singing it and whatever. Yeah. But go out and physically put yourself behind it and lead by example is is a lot stronger message. So so you would your intent was was that, I guess. Like you're not still at this point you're not thinking anything other than uh this uh, uh, giving a giving a voice the best way you know how, mm-hmm. give something women can relate to and help express themselves. Because I know uh, as a as a music fan, and I'm sure you found songs the same way. Like you find one that say, like this speaks to me. This is exactly what I need to hear after a breakup or whatever. Or this says exactly what I need to say to this person when I can't find the words. And you and you relate yeah. on such uh, like a pure emotional level to this. And mm-hmm. I mean, I feel that if if anybody ever comes up to me as a songwriter and says that my song did this for them, then I'm like, fuck, I'm done. That's amazing. Awesome. Mission <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, so I, I happy now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so this was just a really cool way. Cause I don't know that a lot of people would, would think about doing something like this. And it kind of was right place, right time. Uh, to refer back yeah. to, to your interview with Paul, you said you had a few managers or some that were telling you to still wait and you decided you really wanted to pull the trigger on this, and there was only one person that that supported that decision or just said, like, if that's what you feel you have to do, then then go with it? Yeah. And, um, and you said... Yeah, most... Oh, I go. said, I'm going to do it. I'm yeah, do I, it. <laughs> I think, you know, I, um, I felt like, and I've said this before, too, I, I feel like David and Goliath even now sometimes um, I'm just not good at doing things the way I don't feel comfortable with. Uh, I'm not good at changing myself anymore. I've just learned to be stubborn with how I need to do things. (laughs) Um, My poor boyfriend. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 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 Yeah. And I think maybe I've, I'm looking back at how I grew up and I feel like I've always in this way even as a kid uh and it caused a lot of tension with my parents and stuff but and that maybe that's why you know it's tough for managers to understand me um is because I really follow my intuition and my instincts more so than logic um and logically I shouldn't have released the song that way because you know, the managers were saying there's some radio potential perhaps and they like the song a lot and they wanted a label to be like there to help support and, you know, help blast it out. And I just posted it on my social media platforms, mm-hmm. which have have like very small numbers. And I flew out to Washington, D.C. on the small budget that I had. Um and I flew to go sing with 25 women I've never sung with before. And, like, before I flew out, like, two days before, I was like, am I insane? Like, <laughs> what, if, what if these women just suck at singing this song, you know? what? Like, what could happen? You know, it could have been disastrous. Right. But I just kind of, yeah, I just, we didn't even have a full rehearsal with the entire group. Um it was a big leap of faith on your part. Yeah, and I just kind of went for it. I I have been working on not thinking complete on logic that I've learned. Like the typical society teachings are, you know, work really hard, work really hard, follow the system, and, you know, things will come to fruition. And uh, there's not enough for everyone around, so you must compete and must be stressed out about, like, how you're going to find your own place or something. Um, but then I heard this thing from somebody, uh, and you know, I'm not religious, but what she said resonated with me. She's like, I always look at a challenge and say, um, with God at the end. So she'll, so basically she'll say, um, it would be impossible for me to write a 200 page book without, uh, and then without God at the end. She's like, if I don't consider the aspects of fate or of serendipity or the universe helping her, like then it's every task seems insurmountably difficult. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And, 
Um, yeah, and I, I think that there's a there's something that works with us when we open up and t- take that leap of faith and believe that there's a force that wants to, us to be the best that we can be, wants us to be the most genuine versions of ourselves. But it doesn't come and like say yes to us until we take that leap of faith and actually just do it. Right, and that's the toughest part. That's what my wife is trying to get me to do all the time, and I'm like, <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think she's about ready to just kick me over the edge and <laughs> fucking leap. Um, no, that's great. That's that's wonderful. You did it, and I remember I had a a gig that night. Uh, of the of the march to go, you know, kind of what we're circling around. When I said we're not going to talk about this very long, here we are still. Um, but I I remember checking YouTube and uh, Deborah Messing, who I don't even remember why I follow, but now I'm glad I did, shared a video, and I was like, holy shit, that's my friend Connie. Like, and I immediately <laughs> fangirl texted you because I was freaking out about how amazing this was, and uh, and then I realized you had a video already out, so talk about the video that you made for it was that was made when you were still planning on just doing this like radio play on an album or ep or whatever no no so i actually got dropped by my managers in november and i felt like you know i was like holy crap i lost my team and um i was like the only thing i know right now is that i need to release quiet And that's what I held on to. And I then decided to tell my mentor, I confided in her. I said, look, I lost both my managers, but I want to release quiet. And she, she's very used to me and my grand ideas. And so she's like, look, if you want to release it, then you need to make it a music video. And so on this, in December, I decided I was going to make a music video and I searched and searched, took interviews, tried to find the right music video director, found an amazing woman who just personally resonated with the song, and she just put her all into it. And um, we planned that video in 13 days. Holy crap. And then we just executed. And, you know, I think it's also a lot of artists were feeling a little panicked by the election and what happened, and so they felt like they needed to do something. So I think I intersected at the right time because we got such amazing talent that donated their time and some people. Oh, wow. You know, they took like the honorariums that I could pay them and they were like embarrassingly less than what they deserved. Um, But everyone was just like investing in it as their way of being an activist through art. You know, and there's like Mm -hmm. there were people crying on set. And, um, it's a very like, powerful video. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to do any storyline, you know, like a dr- dramatic storyline with actors. I didn't want to do dancing. I really just wanted something really straightforward and simple, but could cut emotionally. So Sammy Cohen, the director, mm-hmm. had this idea for actually a couple years. Um, she, you know, she, when she was pitching me this idea, she was kind of like, okay, I have two, she, I have three ideas and the first two ideas were dance. And I was like, that's cool, you know, but I don't want to do dance with this one. Um, and then she's like, I have a third idea. And she's like, it's a little idea. I don't know. It's like kind of simple. Um, and then her voice started breaking and she's like, you know, my father wasn't a good man. And um, I've just always felt like this suffocation and, and I was like, go on. Cause I was like, okay, maybe we're onto something. Like this is what the song then, is. Perfect. Yeah. And so she told me her idea of this woman just sitting in this glass tank with the water slowly rising and getting macro shots of the water. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's everything we need. Um, and then she's the type of person I learned a lot from her. Um, because her attitude is basically, uh, I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to say yes and just figure it out. (laughs) And so always a good personality to have around though. Yeah, because I actually had pitched the idea to another potential director of me standing in a glass box and screaming. Mm -hmm. And 
and breaking the glass, but I didn't have the water idea. Um, so it's kind of weird that Sammy and I were already thinking the same thing um, before really even knowing each other. Right. But that director that I pitched that idea to was like, uh, it's not possible. It's too expensive. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and it, my idea got shut down, you know, whereas Sammy was just like, uh, yeah, well, yes, we can do it. And I'm sure she was kind of like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it we're out. Gonna, by God, we're going to do it. Yeah. So I think her, like, I was meant to work with her because I was meant to learn, just relearn that um, and bring that with me to the march because I was like, I don't know if these 25 women are going to be able to sing everything well, but uh, we'll figure it out. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, and I think it, and I was also inspired because my family, some of us are, um, conservative and some of us are progressive. And I think I'd probably be most progressive one in my family. Um, but I have a family member that is super pro Trump actually. Um, and you know, when the election happened, she called me, she's like, how do you feel? Uh, she's like, are you okay? And I was like, I feel, you know, I'm totally surprised, but I feel inspired to do something. And I think, that whole attitude of just like, just do something was very motivating. And I think it like has been this pushing this motivation for me. Wow. Well, that, and it all worked out well for you, for you and for a whole lot of other people, I would say, because I think that, uh, this is, this has gotten bigger than, than you not to, not to talk down on you, but like, uh, Uh, to, to quote Laura, she says, this is a motherfucking hymn. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> oh my gosh. And she told me not to, yeah. not, not to use that in the interview, but oops. Um, <laughs> so this is like, I mean, this is a huge thing and it's a big thing to, to thousands of people, uh, around the world. And yeah. one thing I've noticed that as if I wasn't proud enough of my friend Connie, but when I saw that you were encouraging other takes, other versions, uh, like it, and if, and if people can't sing or put their own spin on the song, like share your story, uh, and you're making this an outlet for any individual to, to do instead of just, it's not about you and the song anymore, you know? Um, yeah. And I thought that was, uh, a really cool thing to see because I don't know that many artists would have, have done that or immediately humbled themselves and made it about a much bigger picture. Uh, at what point did you realize that this was this was beyond you? This was out, not necessarily out of your control because you're still like you've you've gone to Canada. Uh, you're you're running the website. You're kind of in charge of the I can't keep I can't quiet dot org. And, yeah. and all that. It's not like it's completely out of your control, I guess. I didn't mean to say that, but it's... But it kind of is, you know, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, um, you know, on a deeper level, and I think you know this too, being a musician is bigger than just us and our careers. It's like we are serving commu- this society to provide that inspiration and that love and um especially in a society that is a capitalistic one capitalism tends to squash out anything that is soulful um you know some and it does promote a lot of amazing things but what it does is it makes people not prioritize art and makes people think that art is not valuable and you know yeah and funding for the arts uh, is in risk uh, or are in risk right now. And I, um, but you know, ever since I was young, I've always admired how artists make the sacrifice of standing outside of society, you know, mm-hmm. to talk about it and allow people who are so in it to understand what they're in. So it's always been bigger than me. Um, and I think, I think there have been years where I got lost and forgot that and was just so focused on like my career and social media and how I needed to get, you know, more, more attention on my music. If not, I'm not a valid musician. Um, but I think, 
after nine years of getting <laughs> let down and getting inspired along the way and like I always come back to the power of a song that's the only thing that I really trust in this world and and you know my boyfriend and my family like people I love but other than that you know the power of the song is un undeniable and when I um, started watching the video go viral it, like I think overnight it went to like six seven million in two days it was over 10 million I think I was like okay this is way bigger than me <laughs> this is way <laughs> so I took... thought I was gonna like yeah uh, I thought I was gonna just post the video on my own YouTube channel and you know like maybe get a couple of press outlets in LA to be like yay LA musician going to DC like I was thinking yeah. oh that'd be awesome yeah <laughs> well <laughs> They certainly are talking about it. <laughs> uh, I don't remember which interview uh, it was, but you talked about how even growing up, you always felt music was an outlet. Um, mm -hmm. Even like you said, you didn't allow yourself to start pursuing art until your third year of college, but uh, music wasn't mm -hmm. always kind of an outlet for you. You'd started a band, you'd been writing songs, all that. But I, wanted, I wondered um, how it felt, because I know since I met you, eight or nine years ago, whichever we decided is, you struggled a lot with every time you met someone, they had their idea of what you needed to be or how you needed to sound or what your image was, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, I was, we, we played together for a little bit and then even after that, we, we stayed in touch and I, you know, we've talked numerous times over the years and I, I think this has been a constant uh, struggle for you. So I wanted to know your feelings to go back to that uh, era, I guess, or that yeah. phase when, when this is your outlet, but yet even in your outlet, what you used to get out of the confi confines of your life and deal with your struggles, you're still being confined and having to struggle. You know, like, what is it to have your your one outlet still controlled, I guess? Yeah. Like, how, what's that was... frustration <laughs> like? Yeah, well, it's, it's like a cyclic behavior of allowing others to tell me that I don't know best. And part of, and I've been really thinking about this too, because I think in the past couple years, I have learned to say no more, like no more, like I'm not doing this anymore. And quiet is actually the vessel for me. Like it's helped me declare, no, I'm not going to keep quiet. And as a Chinese American. I have conservative Chinese parents and they're amazing people. They're so smart and so caring, but also very traditional and very afraid of, you know, what art as a living would mean for me. And, you know, the culture a little bit promotes like, okay, well, you don't know best, learn from your elders, you know, and it's a lot of like training to question oneself, but you know, it's not only the culture, it's also my personality and my history. Like I, I fell into an abusive relationship when I was 14. And from that day, I learned that my word no didn't have power because it didn't work. And I had to like, I had to do things I didn't want to do. And and I think I lost faith in myself in being able to defend myself for years and years and years. And I thought it was my fault for the longest time because also I think my family wasn't equipped to handle that emotionally. Um, it wasn't until, you know, even after like we met, it took me years after that to like go to therapy and heal from different things and realize I was letting myself fall into these cycles with managers, like telling me that I didn't know best and they weren't listening to me. And when I said no in my gentle, like a timid manner, they didn't hear me. I just recently wrote this lyric. It's like, let them think I'm a harmless sheep. The lion in me never sleeps. And mm. I'm, I'm trying to acknowledge that I am who I am and people will perceive me to be whatever they think. You know, I think some people think I'm so laid back or, you know, that they can take advantage of me or that, you know, I'm an introvert. So maybe they think that I'm not listening or I'm not watching because I'm more quiet at times socially. Um, 
but I'm watching everything. Like I'm never not noticing what's going on around me. And like, I will stand up for myself once I figure out how to do that. I just didn't have the tools before. And I think a lot of people don't have the tools. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't know that they're being emotionally manipulated or abused. And they're, so yeah, just, it, it was really, um, my, my therapist is so LA. (laughs) My therapist, um, said that, um, she thought it was really ironic how I'm a singer and I use my voice as my profession, but in my personal life, I had no voice. Like I didn't know how to. Yeah. And I was like, God damn it. You're right. And and she, and she told me like, you need to start integrating your fantasy self in your songs and your real life self. And that's when I started doing the hard at work um, and learning to just not, take BS from people and to trust myself and be a strong, strong warrior, the warrior that I sing about in my songs that I, that I used to pretend I was. And I, inner Xena, (laughs) my inner Xena. There you go. Oh my gosh. I love watching that show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I mean, I remember yelling at you a few times about (laughs) needing to, just tell them to fuck off and do what you want to do, which was easy for me to say because I wasn't in that situation dealing with any of that. Not that I would have done any better if I were to be. Um, <laughs> but being an outsider, is he, Connie, just tell them to fuck off and, and do what you want. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember all the way back to when I first met you, we were doing a song called Shifting. So this is when that was what, 2006 or seven when you recorded that? Yeah, yeah, go back that far full frontal with Samantha B. Fuck yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But you had a line in there about your colors bleeding through man-made borderlines. And I thought, like, that was such a fucking amazing lyric. I've always loved that line because I thought it was so so proud and defiant and uh, kind of pointing out the absurdity of... it land is land. This doesn't fucking matter. You know, we're people. And and the fact that there's yeah. this imaginary line that separates this place from this place is stupid. And uh, I don't know. So I feel that you've always kind of had this this in you. So I'm just yeah. really happy to see you embracing it and giving out your Xena war cry and fucking attacking the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to go watch a bunch of Xena. <laughs> <laughs> um. There it is. There it is. So I have one more thing to ask about really quick. And then I kind of asked yeah. some listeners to, to send in questions. So then we're going to have some silly questions <laughs> from, from people that listen. And then, um, and then we can wrap this up. So my last thing is I want to know what Toronto was like, cause I've seen the video and, uh, personally, I haven't seen a crowd <laughs> like that since you and I did the Orpheum theater. And yeah. I, might have left a puddle on the stage because I was freaked the fuck out. But you were up there in front of this mob of people just dancing and 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 leading what thousands of people and <laughs> like how uh, did you orchestrate that or were you invited to do that? Would uh, obviously you didn't like get a hold of all these people individually like you did for the march, but yeah. So um, choir, choir, choir is this amazing project uh headed by two guys nobu and david and nobu and david for six years have been leading this weekly sing-along basically they um they'll say they'll send out an invite and say okay we're gonna sing princes when doves cry so when prince um passed away they actually did an event like that um i'll talk about that more so um basically for these six years they've been consistently opening up a room and they teach people parts and they sing. And now it's to a point where people pay to go into the room to learn and sing and be part of this video. So usually their videos are around like 200 people or so. And then when they have special ones, it'll, it'll get to, um, you know, like for ours was 1300 people. And then, you know, when they did, when doves cry, I think that that was 1900 people. And then they actually worked with, um, um, Rufus Wainwright and they sang Leonard oh. Cohen's Hallelujah. Oh yeah. And I think they had, I think they had like probably 
1,600 people for that. Um, and so David had heard about Quiet. And he's like, oh, wow, it's interesting. This girl is doing what we do. Um, she's teaching <laughs> choirs and stuff. She's like, she's like, he's like, okay, in celebration of the movement, I want to do a fundraiser for ACLU and we'll sing this song. And he's like, we've never, and when he called me, he's like, look, I've never done a, you know, a song that wasn't already a hit song that wasn't on the radio and what like hadn't charted yet. Um, so he's like, I, you know, when I put up the, invitation for people to sing this song i thought maybe we'd do a 200 person room or something but he's like the ours keys went through the roof and wow. so i was like holy crap this is something <laughs> special so he's like i needed to call you to tell you and see if you want to come sing it with us um and he's like i think we might be able to get like 1300 people and i was like what okay you know and so he's like all right well I'm going to put up the sales, like the tickets for sale tomorrow. And we sold out in a day. And wow. uh, yeah, it's crazy. And that was also like, okay, this song is way bigger than me. Um, right. And I love, and so what they do is they pass out lyric sheets and then people, you know, they pay their ticket, they get a lyric sheet. They, um, and then um, David and Nobu like are so good at teaching choirs. So they have like left side of the room is lower harmony, middle and the mid harmonies, right side, high harmonies. And then, you know, when we first started, I came out and said, hi, I said, thank you. And told a couple bad jokes. And then I, I went away and I, I went in backstage and they wanted me to watch as they taught because it's their thing, you know? And it's interesting because they like made some arrangement changes, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is like intense to like watch someone interpret my song before me, and I'm gonna sing that interpretation." Like, and this song is not even a month old, um, but okay, I'm gonna do it. And he made some beautiful. David made some beautiful harmony choices and some arrangement things that like we worked out together last minute, and we just stretched some sections out. He had an idea of like dimming the lights at one section um and then I watched from backstage and was just sobbing the whole time because I was listening to 1300 voices sing these lyrics that I remember typing in a writing room <laughs> I remember like in a writing session I was like yeah it should be like I can't get quiet and how about we say like one woman riot or should I say one human riot and it's like, nah, just, let's just commit to the woman thing. Yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, that was my, right. like, way of, yeah, I'm going to be bold, and I'm not going to care. Um, <laughs> and my my co-writer was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's write, Love like, it. for women. Um, and, you know, and even, like, don't spread your legs. Like, those are conscious decisions. Like, th there were moments where I was like, I'm doing it. I'm just going to write this lyric because I know it's not what, like, if I was in a a major label writing session for a major label artist or something. I don't know if that those lyrics would have been encouraged because they were like, uh, you know, we can't reach a wide audience with that or something. Right. Um, but we just followed the muse that day and then watching these people sing it, men and women singing One Woman Riot and like all these people comfortably singing Don't Spread Your Legs. Like it just... Because I remember I workshopped the song and someone was like, eh, maybe you should think about changing that line. And I was like, okay, but no. It's <laughs> um, a nice idea, but I'm going to keep it. So, um, yeah, it was really surreal. And I have to also say the video person who um, filmed it mm -hmm. was super intentional with all the lighting with all the different shots, like he's a genius within himself. And he had a crew of, um, I think six cameras and he orchestrated the whole thing and he put so much love into it. Like when I just meeting those guys is like, okay, these are pros. These are people who like put their life into what they do. Um, yeah, they did a great job. So I was pretty much like surfing the wave and it was interesting because, you know, they did different arrangements a slightly different arrangement of the song mm -hmm. and I've been performing the song a certain way so <laughs> like when I went back on stage to rehearse with the group before we started filming the video I messed up 
I like there's a couple times I missed my cues and stuff, and I did that twice in a row. Oh, and I was God. like, so yeah, and, and the whole crowd is like, it's okay, ah! you know. <laughs> like oh my gosh how like because I felt really vulnerable because it was like my song had been shifted and changed a little bit um and I had to follow David's uh vision of it for that because I I loved it (laughs) I just wasn't used to the parts yet and I was literally rehearsing in front of 1300 people and just but we ended up getting it um and just like having so much fun with it and so it was the energy was like ridiculous on stage, just feeling all those people singing the words and just getting into it by the end. Like it just, there's no other feeling like it. Yeah. It was great to watch. So I can only imagine <laughs> to, to feel the energy in the room. Would have yeah. Been surreal. Yeah. And uh. I, and I felt, I felt like calm, you know, I didn't like, I felt like that's what, I was supposed to be doing. Okay, um, so it wasn't, uh, I don't know, it wasn't out of the comfort zone or it wasn't nerve-wracking or, or uh, intimidating. You felt... It was nerve-wracking, but not intimidating. Um, like, I definitely, my heart was racing. Um, but I was also, I also just knew, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Well, uh, also, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up to you, uh, you made a mistake by giving me the info for your people, because all those times we say we're gonna talk and catch up, and it never happens, now I know how to get a hold of you. (laughs) You say you're gonna call, and you never do, but now I know how to hunt you down. That's a really creepy song lyric. (laughs) You say you're gonna call, but you never do, now I'm gonna hunt you down. I don't know why it was 80s. But that's how it uh, Because why, why not? Uh, what else would it be? <laughs> anyway. Ha ha, joke side. Okay, so the first listener question is, how do you come up with ideas for your videos? Or do you? Do you have imagery in mind when you're writing songs, I guess? For the um, videos? I, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually focus on the emotion and of the song just like the pure feeling and then go off of that when I write the song and then when I'm done with the song um I kind of let my imagination run wild and um I do really well bouncing ideas off of people but I do have like a couple songs that I'm going to release soon um where I have very specific ideas I've actually created this character in my in my mind Uh, yeah and she's on a hero's journey I would actually like die of happiness if I could get seven from stranger things to be it the character but or oh sorry (laughs) you love her so much (laughs) you know that girl like what's her face and love her (laughs) that number (laughs) wait who are you (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, um, like to do them separately just to keep the song focused on the emotion. True to it. Yeah. True to itself. And then base the video off of that. Yeah. But I'm open. I feel like one day I'll take that all back and be like, never mind. You know? (laughs) Okay. Well, I, I hope that you... Get Seven Eleven in your in your dream roll, and that all works out for you. Um, Why do I only want to eat hot Cheetos? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, okay, next question. If you had written this song, obviously they're referring to Quiet. Um, if you'd written the song five or ten years ago, how would it be different? Mm, so I, good question. I'm guessing, like, would uh, your your mindset then, or maybe your struggles at that point, or I, I don't know, but how would it be different? Well, I know for sure that the reaction from people would be different. Um, I was yeah. even telling people, I've been having some meetings with um, 
just different music business people. And I was telling them, you know, if I had released this song even last year, I don't know if it would have caught fire like this. Maybe it would have slowly grown to this, but like this time was when it was supposed to grow. Um, just because even last February, people were keeping quiet about their thoughts. Most, I feel like common culture was like, do not talk about politics. Do not talk about religion. But now politics are so at the forefront of everyone's minds that I think people just literally can't keep quiet. So I think that there's something that's very important about the song being now. So if it was released 10 years ago, I think it would be like appreciated, but it, I don't know if it would be an anthem because I, I don't think there was a movement for that at that time. Okay. Um, Do you feel that the subject matter would be different? Like for mm, you personally? No, I think it would be the same because okay. it was part of the journey, but I don't think I would have been able to write it, you know, because uh, I just wasn't, I didn't value my voice yet. Okay. I really questioned myself a lot. Yeah. Great. Well, everything happens when it's supposed to, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, next. This is uh, this is pretty pretty easy one. To get a break. Uh, what instruments can you play, or what would you like to learn? Mm, nice. I play piano and I play crappy rhythm guitar. What I would like That's to for learn. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what I would like is to not be crappy with the guitar. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> um, I use it to write. So I like. I'm in my safe haven of like just strumming um, in the writing room. I would like to stand in front of an audience and, and kick ass with the guitar. Okay. Probably rhythm guitar first, and then we'll move step and by then, step. And then you'll start those ripping leads. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'll be ripping solos with Nick Ryder. All right, gladly. I would have you on stage anytime, Connie. Um, <laughs> Okay, what songs have been anthems for you or uh, inspiring? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, you know, Ray LaMontagne, he has this song called Be Here Now. Um, and I listen to that song um, on the regs. <laughs> I've been listening. Oh, I know, I did it. You said <laughs> I it. Had, to, I had to do something douchey. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah it's so beautiful and I think Jack Johnson uh, when I was in high school when he released On and On um, okay. that that whole album was an anthem for me because he spoke about he spoke about what uh, you know matters now too like politics and just social, a lot of social commentary but he did it in a really clever and simple way and I really admired him for that if you can bring one person back to record a song with, <laughs> who would it be? Oh, wow. I would have to say, I mean, you'll be proud of my response. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, if I could be in the room with John Lennon. Oh, and, yes. Uh, yeah, I just feel like I would learn a lot. And he just seemed like such a, kind soul um and because of what the people have decided with my song in terms of it being anthem of the march i am put into a space of like activism and music and okay. i think um i'm gonna look to him as a north star like how did he handle things you know i will always aspire to be as badass as he was as we can uh, all only hope to be yeah and those little sunglasses he wore oh the, yeah, right uh, yes but he definitely was <laughs> very good at towing the activist musician yeah line. yeah great um so, yeah i would love that i'd love to learn and get advice from him and 
and just see what his views on on the world would be now. Yeah. Oh God, you probably would have plenty to say. <laughs> um, uh, here's kind of a kind of a serious one. How are you maintaining yourself within the constraints of the industry? Um, I am surrounding myself with people that I know are aligned with me. And that means a lot of very difficult conversations of, um, saying no to people who want to work and maybe for the wrong reasons, um, saying yes to maybe an underdog who may not seem like the most experienced or badass manager or whatnot, but like putting faith in my intuition um, and just being very, very true to who I am. And the good news is that the people who are truly working their butts off and making a big difference with this industry, most of them get that they need to stand out of an artist's way um, I'm actually about to sign with a label and the, all the executives of that label are all like, they all say the same thing. They're like, you do you and we will get out of your way. Cause the more we get in your way, the worse the music is, the worse your, the worse your image and your messages, because we are really bad at manufacturing, but we are very good at amplifying. So good. They, yeah, and they're all encouraging me to just march to the beat of my own drum. And they've all said that exact, like, from different places, different um, people who I feel aligned with. They're all very respectful of that. So I think there's going to be challenges for sure along the way, and especially with my history of being of knowing that I have the strength and weakness of seeing things from other people's perspective. Um, sometimes I bend too much to other people's perspective, but I think I've just bit suffered enough um, of doing that for the past nine years that, or actually 29 years um, that I think I am well, well equipped to okay. figure it out. What is your great, huh? What's that? Those are good questions. We have incredibly intelligent listeners. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, which is weird because this has been like a very serious intellectual interview and most of the stuff we do is uh, supernatural and absurd and uh, <laughs> like really zany. Um, so it's, it's weird oh. that we've... <laughs> Probably go, this doesn't work at all. This is bullshit. Um, <laughs> what is your greatest fear in life? My greatest fear is giving in to fear. Mm, uh, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mediocrity. Those are my two, my two fears. Okay. Yeah. Great. And right there, so you must uh, have thought about this, or at least you're self-aware enough to know that right off the bat yeah i think i've thought about it a lot <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so we've got one here apparently they really like the inside the actor studio with james lipton because they want to know your favorite swear word <laughs> oh man favorite swear word and it's okay <laughs> we are we are a non-family show so it's okay to curse <laughs> i would say that there is an elegance to the word shit. <laughs> okay. There's just something about it that just rolls off the tongue really nicely. <laughs> it's so, so great. <laughs> Not good on the tongue, but... <laughs> oh, right, right. We're just the word, Connie. We're just talking about the word here. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what you're doing in your spare time, but... Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow. That took a weird turn. <laughs> See, now that's the type of stuff that we need more on this show. Uh, <laughs> Conversations about licking poo? Apparently, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so then uh, my good old co-host, Los, who couldn't, couldn't make the time in the middle of the day to be a part of this, 
uh, ends all of his interviews, and I know he would be upset if I didn't ask. Do you believe in aliens or or and or ghosts? Mm. You know, I just to keep the magic alive, I would love if there were aliens and ghosts. Um, and I hmm. I think that when people pass away, we become these like planes of energy and we're just um, existing in the atmosphere. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, there's ghosts because that energy, that plane of energy is like around. Okay. <clears throat> but you've never like personally encountered <laughs> either. No. Now. I wish though. You've you've got you've got no <laughs> substantial proof, however you are open to and hopeful of the idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Which is the answer we always get. That's so weird. Really? <laughs> we haven't come across any of those people. Like there's so many you see them on TV that have definitely seen ghosts or their house is haunted or they've been abducted or some kind of stuff and so far we yeah. haven't we haven't found any of them. But Well, my friend worked on Ghost Mine if you ever want to interview him. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we'll bring that up. We'll bring that up. We'll see. <laughs> Try to get a hold of them. Um, okay. Finally, the, the big one that, uh, the, the, the show closer is, do you think that nine eleven happened exactly the way we were told? Um, I definitely think we were not told everything and I don't know how extreme the lies or the, you know, the warping of the story were, but I did. I'm pretty sure that there's a chunk of stuff that there's we don't know. There's some shady shit happening there. Yeah. There's always, unfortunately, there's usually some some little shady shit. And if someone's <laughs> pulling strings or, or something. Yeah, right, you don't, maybe. Yeah. There's you, definitely motives. Are, yeah. are you uh, one of the conspirators who feels we were we were behind it and we did it all so that we could start a war Oh, man. I don't know if it's that, but I do feel like there, if anything, it would at least be, you know, there was some knowledge of things that were going to go down and maybe there was mismanagement. I feel like it would be in that realm, like there was okay. some human error. Yeah. All right. That's that's fair. That's all yeah. fair. Um, okay. Well, I think that is that is all I've got right now. Thank you for. That was so much fun. Yeah, thanks for for making the time to to talk to me. And yeah. uh, and let me banter into your ear for so long. Yay! In the meantime, everybody listening, make sure to check out I Can't Keep Quiet dot org and mm -hmm. search for Milk M I L C K. Go ahead and plug whatever you would like to to plug. Yeah. If, um. Yeah, just the website uh, I Can't Keep Quiet dot org or. Uh, milkmusic.com uh, all the different social medias and on April 4th I'm planning a I Can't Keep Quiet Day it's uh, Maya Angelou's birthday and also the day that MLK was assassinated Oh. Um, and so I do want to unify all the different people who want to share stories or uh, sing in a choir or just sing by themselves um, to do the song um, as one um, so I will be um, announcing more details about that but if people want to keep posted they can go to I can't keep org. awesome okay well thank yeah. you very much Connie and we will let you get back to your your day job yeah. or your life <laughs> sounds right. good thank you alright thank you Well, there you have it, my friends. What an amazing interview that was. There's laughs, there's excitement, there's inspiration, there's motivation out there for everybody. And it started right here on this show for you guys, I hope. I hope you're getting up and grabbing your guitar, your piano, and just getting down. And I hope you're not keeping quiet one bit. Before we end the show, please check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying our content. 
We're on Tumblr as well. We're going to start doing some uh, listener polls, so I'd like you guys to start following us on that so we can start doing that. Of course, we're on SoundCloud, Player FM, Google Play, iTunes, Podcast Addict, all the above. So thank you guys for joining us one more time. Be sure to check out Milk Music. And before we go, let's go ahead and play her awesome single, Quiet. And once again, for Nick, I'm Los. That's right. <laughs>